Hello and welcome back to the Optimizing Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Marty Kendall. On this show, we take an engineering approach and speak to the experts about the insights into weight loss, fasting and nutrition, as well as real life people about their journey of nutritional optimization. Hello, Louis Villasenor. How are you going? Hey, Marty. How are you? You must get sick of people botching your name. So, yeah, from um, Mexico City, Kita Games legend. So, thanks for joining today to have a chat. So, uh, always uh, eager to talk to you, Marty. We, well, we basically God. chat almost all the time. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, but- yeah, we um, we always talk a lot. So, uh, we, we we thought we'd share and uh, basically have a public chat and uh, share a, share a bunch of thoughts. So, yeah, so background, I massively appreciate your influence. You've been a bit of a, a mentor, hero, friend, um, such an education over the years. And through this journey, I suppose we've all taken a bit of a journey and you've been on it longer than most in uh, low-carb nutrition. But, um, yeah, a few years ago I did the Kid Against Boot Camp and I thought I look, knew a lot. And then all of a sudden, a whole bunch of things came together, and you know, weight loss and muscle gain, and feeling a whole lot better. So it's it's been a real buzz. So um, yeah, um, I suppose to, to to give you to give everybody some background to who is Villa Senor. Um, I, I dragged up some photos from a chat we did uh, last week where you shared these, and um, yeah, you've been on your own journey um, from being. The typical fat kid which i was and i suppose a lot of us were following the standard diet to your michael jackson um <laughs> semi-anorexic phase as you called it and then um trying to trying to work to become uh he-man was your hero so um yeah it's a, it's a pretty cool journey pretty cool hero's journey literally so um how long have you been doing this for it's like 20 years since digging into ketogenic diet and low-carb nutrition yeah, approximately. It was uh, around 2000, very much, when I started uh, playing with ketogenic diets. And it was just, uh, I had hit very much my lowest point in, in nutrition. Uh, very much like the abridged version of what happened to me is, yeah, I, I was chubby, overweight as a kid. I started strength training as a way to improve my physique and I was very bad in, in all sports. So what i found is that okay i didn't like football soccer i didn't like you know any team sports uh but i sort of uh was strong and so i started practicing that on my own and learning by myself remember to just go back like 40 years we didn't have internet we just had like muscle and fitness magazines and we just had arnold movies and he-man like you said <laughs> so, like i tried to be that uh doing things on my own uh, but I probably took it too far in regards to nutrition, tried different things and ended up anorexic because, you know, one thing leads to the other. I was just getting in college uh, in between stress and, you know, uh, girlfriends or girls and <laughs> studying and things like that. Just like didn't have time for nothing. And I, I don't recall exactly how I ended there, but I recall that I didn't have to prepare food or eat. And then, you know, how what happens with fasting, right? Probably the one or two days are difficult, but you are super busy doing things you don't notice. And then I found out that it wasn't hungry and it was like normal for me to just have one meal or two a day, but very little food. Mm. 
I slept all through the, through the day, didn't have energy to do anything. I actually left strength training. I just did a little bit of cardio <laughs> uh, and I ended up weighing uh, 48 kilos, which is horrible. Uh, my hair started to fall uh, up a lot. And I think I've already tell, uh, told this story, but my lowest point was when I took a pair of uh, jeans and I put them on and they were super short, very much like, yeah, the, the low end of the jeans uh, were to about, about uh, to my knee. And it was like, what happened? And I checked them and they were my little brother's jeans. Like he was like seven or eight years at the time. Right. So it was like, yeah, little, little kitty jeans and they fit perfectly on my waist. And it was like, I'm going to kill myself. This is not something that like I've been training and wanting fat loss, but I took it too far. I, I didn't look like I wanted to look when I reached that weight. So mm -hmm. uh, I was at the college at the time and I started to go to nutrition classes that were, you know, I had friends that studied nutrition and I decided just to drop in and see what they were teaching and so on. And um, looking also at uh, some uh, internet forums because at that time, 2000, you already could get into internet at college. <clears throat> and me being a nerd, I was one of the first to get an email and everything like that. And I don't recall how I stumbled into bodybuilding forums, mostly because probably that was, was what I was looking for and started chatting with people that were doing prep for uh for, for a, a show and the trick was very much eat a low carb diet mm. a version of a ketogenic diet that's a, probably the first time i heard of it and you can maintain muscle and look ripped but you shouldn't do it forever just for a while and started doing that and it very much resonated with how i like to eat and was very or fairly easy for me to follow started buying books about it, reading more about it, studying more about it, and it just sort of clicked and became my, my way of life. Mm. And you've been basically doing that for the last 20 years or so, and yeah, continually yeah, learning. Modifications, and probably, as you know, and chatted with me, we've had different interpretations as it yeah. goes along, and change a lot of uh, how we think and apply. Because one thing is grabbing that textbook uh, definition, mm. but other is actually how you do that in free living conditions right how you manage with life and uh events and going out to restaurants or how you make it a little bit uh, different when you're training and you also want to gain versus the traditional just loose idea of keto diets or that mm. protein should be kept super low but that's contrary to building muscle and things like that that people get you know um they, they, they get married to a definition and they're way too afraid to change. Why? Because in my head, what I've seen is that they are afraid of, or more so, they don't understand the complexities of it. So yeah. it's very much like when you teach someone to uh, subtract or add, and, and usually they just learn that a combination of numbers give you certain results, but they don't understand their whys. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I suppose that's what we wanted to talk about a bit about today is, uh, yeah, you said, hey, we should get on and, and talk about what a healthy low-carb or keto diet is. So um, I just wanted to just go through your um, your qualifications. Every, every time you post something <laughs> on Facebook, you've got a new freaking qualification from, uh, I mean, you started doing marketing, precision nutrition, sports science, um, you're a, you're a lecturer for Mino you know, um, CrossFit, primal coach, 
metabolic flexibility, kicked off Kita Games, which has now got 118,000 members, which is just insane. So, um, and now you're studying Bachelor of uh, Nutrition, basically to be a certified nutritionist, is that right? Yeah, so basically, so I've studied nutrition by my own for the last probably 20 years as well. Uh, I've got certifications and degrees and mostly as a certified uh, nutritionist, more geared toward uh, sports nutrition. Hmm. Uh, the missing piece, especially in Mexico, uh, very much like, well, like anywhere in the world, uh, uh, I often, you know, participate and get invited to give seminars uh, on universities and colleges. And so, but for, it's more, mostly like a thing of ego. I want to have the actual degree in Mexico, which is where I live. Uh, to be like a registered dietitian, so not to get a little bit of pushback because there's always, but you are not a, you know, an RD, but you are not a, like a well, I probably know a little bit more than you in this area. I, I'm, I've never said that I know everything, but you know, uh, I love studying, especially things mm -hmm. related to, to this area of uh, nutrition and also related to strength training. So. This was just the next logical thing. And now with COVID that I have more time uh, to be like, well, <laughs> I am actually more busy now, but I thought it was a good idea at time. And with, uh, it, it, let's say that the, bachelor, the degree was open um, to do online, which was not a year before. So I basically said, just let's do it. Uh, I, I joked you should be a, a, a senior lecturer in the course, but anyway. Um... Yeah, so, so to give some background on ketogenic low-carb diets, um, maybe we should touch on the history of keto and like it's a, a word that means so many different things to so many different people. And I suppose way back it started um, 1909 for the treatment of epilepsy and, and uh, has gone on to Alzheimer's and dementia and that's sort of a therapeutic ketogenic diet versus a... a, a a diet for weight loss and, and improved metabolic health and um, diabetes reversal, etc. So they just want to touch on the history of that and how that's changed from, I suppose, your learning in um, uh, you know, learning Lyle McDonald and, and the anabolic diet and the like back uh, when you started learning it as well. Mm -hmm. So, uh, well, as I said before, one of the first, uh, well, I, I think the actual first book that I read uh more so regarding uh, a ketogenic diet per se is lyle mcdonald's the ketogenic diet uh, i started with that along uh, with uh, another book called body opus which is very much in um what the actual ketogenic diet book was inspired mm. uh, which are different interpretations of the same studies it's very much uh, how to do a ketogenic diet but more so with the goal of uh, maintaining lean mass or actually increasing it. Mm. But um, the actual book, The Ketogenic Diet by Lyle McDonald, goes much more in depth because it explains all the biochemistry and also mm. the history of uh, and different applications of the, the ketogenic diet. So very much for you to understand how to apply a ketogenic diet towards different endeavors, you should understand first the actual uh, traditional application. And also, of course, the uh, biochemistry, which is in my uh, eyes super important because mm. I said before, if you understand the basics, then you can modify it a little bit mm. for different uh, objectives or, or goals. Yeah, biochemistry is something that just blows my mind. And people like Mike Julian, um, just he's incredible really? understanding of how that works. I think he's taught both of us 
so uh-huh. much and you know all the things he said three years ago you sort of have this memory and go ah oh, i understand what he meant now it all makes sense and you know it's a lot of the foundation of um my learning and yeah so shout out to mike for being an incredible uh air conditioning specialist who uh, <laughs> went down the rabbit hole of biochem and taught us a whole lot. So um, so the difference between a therapeutic ketogenic diet and a, a, a keto diet for bodybuilding or um, fat loss, diabetes reversal, how do they differ in terms of goals, ketones, protein, carbs, etc.? Well, here's a... A very basic interpretation now where has the textbook definition and this is i think this uh, where the mostly the disconnect comes from mm. um a ketogenic diet in in general terms if you look at it uh from uh, various studies it is defined as a diet where energy is mostly derived from fat and they mm. usually explain this by percentages and they aim or suggest a higher than 65, mostly 70% of the energy coming from fat. Mm. So, it, uh, And then of course, carbs below 5% and the rest uh, protein. So 20, 25 protein, five carbs and the rest fat, which again, 65, 70. Mm. What happens is if you are a lay person or again, don't understand the whole topic, then you think, okay, everything that I eat, you know, should keep, uh, uh, a balance of 70% fat, mm. 20% protein or 25% protein, and then five carbs. And then you have some people that think that calories don't matter as long as you keep this ratio. Or another big fail, which it's funny for me because Dr. Feeney and Dr. Bollock actually said what I'm going to say, but people, they say they read the books. But when you ask certain questions, you realize that they didn't really read them or they just didn't understand them. When they when we talk about the energy uh, ratio, which I just said, mm. that includes it's com- the complete energy that your body has, uh, uh, that your body can tap into. Mm. And thus it includes both your body fat as well. Yeah. yeah. And this is why uh, Dr. Ted Neyman I think uh, he created this phrase, I don't recall if three or four years ago, but you know it very well. Mm. If your body is high fat, yeah. all you need is a low carb. Yeah, yeah. And, and this phrase got Ted and me as well, and probably you excommulgated from a lot of you know, uh, ketogenic groups because people don't understand that if you have a lot of body fat in your body, yeah. you don't need to eat a lot of body fat. Mm. That is, you enter and maintain ketosis mostly by reducing your carbohydrate intake. That's mm. it. You don't need to eat high fat. Yeah. And all the fat yeah. energy coming from your body, exactly. you don't need to come at it, at it from your diet. The, the, the point is, yeah, you can eat high fat and yeah, you will increase fat burning. But also another disconnect. People uh, think that fat burning means burning your own fat. No, mm. fat burning just means the substrate u- u- utilization, what type of energy you will be mm. using most of the time. Mm. So again, yeah, we're, and this is a, a sort of a direct quote from Dr. Finney. Do you want to burn the fat from your body fat, from your body, or from your plate? Mm. And I think you said it as well. Yeah. Uh, so it's just how you understand things. Yeah, have, eating a little bit more fat 
along with protein may make your uh, meals more satiating mm. but it doesn't mean that you will necessarily burn more of your own body fat mm. so, so if you're an athlete and you're growing kids you need more dietary fat to fuel the energy and growth but if you're one of the many people who are overweight and got plenty of body fat to lose then you want to dial back the, the dietary fat so that is something that you know, causes so, so much confusion and arguments going around and around. But then again, uh, some uh, people that we've all interacted with, they, they go and say, but you shouldn't be eating zero fat. And it's like, I, we, we're not saying to eat zero. Yeah. We are saying to, that you should not increase or eat a lot of fat. Mm. I'm not saying to eat zero fat. We never said that. We're just saying to uh, reduce your fat intake to a point what point that's up to you to decide where has you want faster rate of fat loss mm. or you want a more steady but slower rate etc etc that's something for you to decide or apply depending on your own context and goals but it's not zero fat and then also yeah, I mean, uh, the, uh, our analysis shows that all um, nutrient density aligns with a lower carb diet that's got less um, processed carbohydrate and higher protein so from a I think that's one of the reasons why a keto diet works so well is that you eliminate all the refined grains and sugars and people's blood sugars drop and they're improving the nutrient density and potentially improving increasing satiety due to more protein and uh, they get these amazing results but then they think oh it's the fat so I'll aim for more dietary fat and then go you know I've stalled and but I need high ketones and it's just such a you know, uh, misconstrued areas. So I suppose it's something we've both been frustrated with for a while. Yeah, and also, uh, uh, well, we'll we'll probably get into that uh, later. But uh, yeah, they chasing ketones and things like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So protein, it's um highly maligned, and and from a bodybuilding perspective, you need protein to build muscle. Um, you you can eat too much protein, but it's very very difficult. Um, so why is protein important for? You know, obviously for a bodybuilder's strength gain, but um, for diabetes reversal, for uh, you know, for just general weight loss for somebody who doesn't want to look like He-Man. Let's, uh, it, it's funny, but actually for a diabetic who wants to increase muscle mass, uh, they are super afraid of protein and, and it's mm. more difficult for someone that has diabetes to gain muscle because mm. it's very inefficient at, uh, uh, creating muscle from protein because of mm. all the, the processes having uh, being insulin resistant. So mm. a diabetic actually needs a little bit more protein than someone that is that hasn't diabetes mm. to get the same results. Yeah, so effectively the, uh, the, the the protein has been converted to glucose and excess gluconeogenesis means it's all being leached through the liver into the bloodstream and and. If they try and avoid protein, what you see, even the um, Rabenhaven and Simpson paper talks about that if people lower their protein, they end up craving more protein. So if you're trying to avoid protein, then you end up craving more food overall and you end up more obese and more insulin resistant by avoiding the protein. And you need to focus on a higher percentage of protein, which is really central to basically fat as a lever. I suppose I've got a, I've got a chart here. This is our analysis of, of protein satiety. So most people are down here at 12 or 15. I suppose what we're saying is just incrementally increase that until you get results. And, and you guys talk about using 
fat as a lever, which is um, yeah, really a great concept. So if you need the fuel, you need uh, a little bit more fat. If you've got fat on your body, you need to uh, dial back the dietary fat. Exactly. And yeah, like for example, someone that is pretty lean and wants to maintain or, or be at optimal performance, of course, likely your fat, talking about it in grams, is going to be higher or about equal in worst cases than your uh, protein intake. Uh, but yes, as the leaner you are, the more dietary fat you need. Again, we're talking about the percent mm. of the calories that you need from this macronutrient energy-wise. But if you have already all that energy mm. in your body as body fat, then you don't mm. need that that much uh, uh, exogenous energy to, to put it in mm. a way. And, yeah. and, and protein really should never be seen um, as an energy source. Protein, the, the purpose of protein is really not energy. You mm. can obtain energy from protein, but it's not an efficient pro, uh, process. Yeah, see, so body says, "Hey, uh, that, that that protein's really hard to convert to ATP. Let's uh, let's crave the donuts and the fat and carbs together, which is incredibly low satiety and, and gives you lots of energy really quickly." But um, and, people uh, are really obese tend to go, up, which is very Sorry. important. Uh, this inefficiency when using protein as energy also has an advantage when you mm. want to lose body fat, which mm. is. Uh, by reducing your dietary fat intake, maintaining your carbs low and having protein in some cases, which is basically what uh, the lean gains uh, method proposes apart from fasting mm. by Martin Berkan is uh, having your protein intake be uh, at or above 50% of your energy. Why? Because you are in here indeed forcing a state of gluconeogenesis, but mm. for the purpose of having an efficient substrate of energy, which is protein, be your main source of energy. So mm. I don't know if you're, you're getting uh, what I'm, uh, the point I'm trying to make. Mm. You are ramping up a very inefficient uh, process of, uh, of uh, energy for the sake of increasing fat burning. Mm. You're making your body on purpose inefficient at obtaining energy mm. so that you are forced to burn your own body fat. Yeah, and, and what we see in the data from satiety analysis is a high percentage of protein just leads to a much greater satiety. It's really hard to overeat those foods and the calorie intake drops. And uh, it's really not just down the protein shapes, but it's more let's focus on foods with a high dietary induced thermogenesis, which are harder to process. So that's less processed foods. Um, exactly. Maybe even you know fibrous veggies and the like, which it's not the magic of protein, but it's the magic of it's it's more difficult for your body to process it. So your body, your appetite switches off and starts to use your body fat. But if there's all this amazing hyperpalatable processed food around, the body just goes, yeah, let's uh, let's eat as much as we can because this is great and winter must be coming. So, yeah. Exactly, and and small uh, parenthesis here, when we say high protein, doesn't mean like you were saying eat uh, or drink uh, protein shake. Mm. It doesn't work with protein shakes because it's uh, absorbed super fast. Mm. And I think, yeah, you've seen it also, also as well with uh, people who do your uh, your courses and, and uh, mm. your protocol. But mm. well, it happens a lot with our clients, especially females. When we give them their calories, I know some people are like uh, thinking we put everyone in starvation diets. We only 
when people have a, a concrete goal, of course, it's best to follow uh, a caloric target because first you you have a set date and you're paying for results. Mm -hmm. You can also obtain a lot of these results by not tracking. I'm, I myself haven't tracked uh, since last year and I continue to wait, but I eat the same food every day or, mm -hmm. or about the same formula of food, certain combinations. So you can track or you cannot track. It really depends on how strict you want to be on how, uh, in a way, familiar you are with your foods. You are still tracking without tracking, mm -hmm. but you know the, the, the numbers in your head. But um, again, dif different types of people react better to different types of uh, dieting. But uh, mm -hmm. what I wanted to say here is that um, what, what a lot of things that we experience with people is when you give them numbers and a certain goal, they are resistant because they think that eating so few calories to a point is going to be, they're going to be hungry all the time. But mm. once you, you change the equation of eating whole foods, if I mm. tell you to eat 120 grams of protein with 30 grams of carbs, mm. but everything has to be real food, right? like mm. meat, veggies, uh, everything has to be cooked by yourself. In the end, it's a lot of food. And, and, and how can I eat all this food? It's massive. Exactly. And, and, and we get two, two males. First male is, I'm going to die and start with so few calories and things like that. And then the next meal we get is, I'm not able to finish all this food. It's way too much food. And uh, like, so it's in, in a way first it's liberating and it's magic because you're not hungry. Yeah. And that's when you really start to realize that, as you know, it's, it's about changing habits and changing how you prepare the, the meals. And satiety is, yeah, it, it depends on the macros, but also on the origin of the food. If you're not really missing nutrients, your body works in your favor. If you are missing a lot of key nutrients and just eating shakes or things that you think are healthy but are overly processed, mm. sometimes it doesn't work like we want to. Yeah. So what sort of protein goals? One of the most popular questions was what, how much protein does somebody need in terms of grams per kilogram body mass? Or, uh, and how does that vary for men, women versus older, younger? fitter, um, more obese. So the, the general, like, I always like to go more in depth and depending on the context of each person. But as a generalization, what I could say is I'd like to have people stay at least at 0 0.8 grams per lean pound yep. and then increase gradually or depending based on different factors. First, what's your body fat? If you have lots of body fat, I'd rather you be a higher, on a higher level of protein because satiety. If mm. I have you on less protein, it's going to be less amount of food, right? Mm. So more protein means a little bit more satiety. And I'm not saying 200 grams of protein or 300. No, mm. like pushing maybe to one gram or 1.2, depending. Mm. It adds a lot more volume. That's one thing. Mm. The other mm. is, okay, if you are over 40 years old, we're also reviewing that you may have leucine resistance, yeah. which means that we need a little bit more of protein to get the same results as someone that is younger. If you are mm -hmm. a diabetic also, it means that you have, in a way, leucine resistance or anabolic resistance. So mm -hmm. we also need to increase protein a little bit. And uh, if you're strength training, then we increase a little bit more protein also on days that you train. In all, I'd say that it's again the lowest bracket would be 0 0.8 mm. 
and the highest would be on average 1.2, maybe up to 1.5 if you are doing a very low caloric diet. But in between 0 0.8, 1.2 is where we normally place people. Yeah. So if you're losing weight really quickly, you need to actually eat more protein to preserve that lean body mass as you're losing weight. Also, because people think that faster is better. And uh, there are several studies that show both in bodybuilders, which are basically your gold standard for how yeah. much you can lose uh, weight, you can lose without losing lean mass. Mm. It's about 2% uh, of your total weight per week. If you're as, losing, exactly. And if you're losing yeah. much more than that, because if some people lose 10 pounds or some other five or some other le uh, like even half a, a pound and they think they compare with uh, the people that are losing more and they think that they're doing something wrong yeah. but when you put that in percentages related to your own weight that's when you see if they're actually uh, doing great or not going as uh, fast as they should depending because also again if you already have let's say 12 percent body fat your percentage of fat loss will be much slower or yeah. should be much slower than someone that has 40% body fat. Mm. If you go over that that rate of uh, fat loss, what does uh, what it means is that you are also losing lean mass, and that's mm. not the kind of weight you want to lose. And, and once you lose the lean mass, the rebound hunger is huge, and it's hard yeah, to say that. Uh, it's not as easy as people think to build or rebuild lean mass. Like if you lost a little bit of lean mass because you didn't train for a couple of months there's a thing called muscle memory and you still have it there it's just that the muscle became a little bit smaller because of this use which is totally different to lose muscle because your body needs the amino acids and you're not feeding them mm. and this is something a very important topic that people don't understand your body can store glycogen the carbs in the liver and in, in the, your muscles your body can store fat almost indefinitely, of course, in body fat. That's why mm -hmm. we get fat. We really don't have a place to store amino acids, even mm -hmm. though there's something called the amino acid pool. It's just like five grams, and it's something that is circulating in, in, the, in the bloodstream uh, consistently. But our body doesn't have a place to, uh, to, to store amino acids. And we do need a certain amount of aminos every day because... Protein is not just for muscle. Basically, every day we die and we rebuild all mm. of our cells, uh, skin, um, brain, organs, at the blood cells, uh, enzymes, hormones, everything needs to be... Neurotransmitters, you know, to avoid depression, serotonin, everything, everything exactly. we need in our brain is based on protein, amino acids. Exactly. And then what happens if you don't get the, the necessary amount is because your, our body doesn't have a place to store that. What happens is that uh the protein is assimilated what mm. it can as muscle tissue so if you don't feed enough protein your body takes the amino acid it needs from mm. your muscles mm. right that's that's basically what happens so and then also another important thing is that only about 10 percent of the protein that you ingest and then uh outside of your daily bodily needs it's going to be used toward muscle building. It's not that if you eat like 50 grams of uh, protein from a steak, that goes to your bicep. No. First, it's used for all your daily needs. Yeah. And then if there's something left, yeah. then your body, and, and of course, if you train, then your body will say, okay, I'm going to grow a little bit my biceps because 
growing muscle is not a priority for your body. It's actually at the end of uh, the, the priorities. Yeah, and Jamie made a comment in the comments that you also need to do resistance training as well. And, uh, you know, if, if, if you're dieting, if you're restricting calories, then the body's going to go, hey, I need to offload all this metabolically expensive muscle so it can survive if you're not telling your body, hey, we need to keep that stuff. And, uh, yeah, so it's definitely critical to train in the concept in the context of all this and do something i suppose you know, most people some people go yeah i'm going to do this massive resistance training program and then straight away fall off the wagon because it's just too hard to maintain but just incrementally building habits you guys are all about building long-term habits of uh, a sustainable approach yeah that's what i've found i love um what, what about training and protein requirements do you find i find that um your appetite for protein just increases when you're training heavier more volume you just need that to recover and your body goes after it so the body's got an amazing appetite for, for protein and then the challenge at that point is not to reach for the energy dense fat and carb foods together at that point to refuel so yeah so yeah to talk about that the critical of uh criticalness of, of protein in training well, here's uh, the deal again. Uh, it really boils to understanding the basics. Uh, people think that when they're training, they need, I hate this word, uh, this word, uh, bulk, bulking. And you see someone that's uh, 20% as a male or, or 25% and says, I want to bulk. Uh, the only thing that you need to gain muscle, really, and, and I'm going to break it down as simple as possible, is strength training, of course, because it creates the stimulus. Mm then of course you need the protein, uh, depending on how much you're eating, you may need more or you may not even need more at all. Again, it really mm -hmm. depends. Remember that I said in between 0 0.8 to 1.2, according to your lean mass, mm -hmm. if you're already at the high end, probably you don't need more. You may be mm -hmm. just strength training. And then of course you need energy. People mm -hmm. think you need carbs. No, you need energy. The energy mm -hmm. can come from, yeah, the carbs, or it can come from fat but then remember fat can be either come from your plate or from your body fat mm. the actual energy requirements for a two-hour session of strength training which most people normally do i'm not talking about a recreational athlete basically 90 percent of the population they think mm. that oh I'm, I'm going to train and i need a thousand extra calories a day mm. no you need in between 150 up to 250 an average 200 calories so it's less than um five percent extra and if you are again over 20 percent body fat you likely don't need anything at all so if mm. you're at the, you, you can very much and this is another myth you can indeed gain muscle by eating at a deficit mm. strength training as long as you uh your protein intake is adequate you're following a well-established training program where you are following uh, progression mm. and, and, uh, and you have enough body fat. And if mm. you, you don't have enough body fat, well, just eat a little bit more energy, right? That's mm. it. So in terms of what does this food look like, um, you know, what do you recommend most people start out trying to eat? What are the most common foods that you recommend people to eat on the keto games type protocol and how does it change if you're trying to um be active or lose body fat i've, I've got this picture from your previous yeah. presentation that i stole 
but very, that's very much about it. I just would add some more vegetables, but very much uh, like uh, if I had, like let's say that I went to an island and I had like 10 items to of the food that I would be eating for the rest of my life, I would take eggs, I would take avocado, I would take uh, either salmon or sardines, I would take uh, probably broccoli or green beans. Uh, like that's probably the, the least, uh, uh, maybe for sink. Uh, you, you are the master on this. I'm missing something. <laughs> but, uh, maybe oysters could use some, uh, yeah. care of that. but uh, as long as I get magnesium with electrolytes, uh, some DHA, uh, omega fatty acids, protein, I think I, I'm going to hit most of my nutritious needs, nutrition yeah. needs. And uh, more fat if you're more active and less fat if you've got body fat to burn, basically. So um, you mentioned uh, nutrients and you, you guys talk a lot about electrolytes. And so you want to talk about the importance of, of nutrient density and nutrients in your diet and why that's important for energy production and performance and hydration? For sure. Like uh, We talk a lot about macros. And uh, a few years ago, maybe a little bit more, a uh, very popular concept, especially for lean people and uh, bodybuilders or people that went to strength training was if it fits your macros. And that's a very easy to understand way, but it was in a way, let's call it, um, uh, how, how do I explain it? Like the idea was sound, but the interpretation was taken way too far. So yeah, getting my, my macros on protein, fat and carbs, but what happened is that people found ways to to trick uh, uh, the program and ended up eating Twinkies. And what happens now with ketogenic diets, you see people, yeah, you're eating keto, but you're eating fat bombs and cheesecakes and things like that, which are really devoid of nutrients. And that's why I tend to say a lot, change habits, not ingredients. It's not just changing one thing for the other. A lot of people, you see how they eat and how they got super unhealthy, right? And they are eating cheesecake, and chocolate and yeah. and you know pastry and things like that they come to keto and the first thing they ask is for recipes to keep eating the same way with different ingredients yeah. and all the and fat they, bombs and palatable junk food to change their lifestyle they're just and they're still stuck in the idea of a super uh hyper palatable foods i'm not saying that that's inherently bad what i'm saying is when you change to nutrient-dense foods, everything mm. starts to click into place. And if you look at what paleo and primal and uh, carnivore and even some uh, whole food vegan diets and all of them have in common yep. is they are taking away hyper-palatable, hyper-processed foods. You're going yeah. back to, it's not about what you should eat, but mostly what you should not eat. And that's really the magic, and that's what Keto Gains has evolved to. I, frankly, and a lot of our clients will find, I don't put everyone in keto. Actually, yeah. my goal is uh, more so metabolic flexibility. Mm -hmm. If you like ketosis and you perform well here, perfect. But mm -hmm. what I always try to teach people is, let's focus on protein, let's focus on whole foods, mm -hmm. let's focus on getting healthy fats, and eventually, you will find that you can tolerate a little bit more carbs mm. 
and we will increase if you want and if your uh, performance requires or whatever your decision is more carbs brought from healthy sources i'm not going to give you a donut i'm going to give you more potato more fruit uh mm. more uh different types of vegetables and we see if you can tolerate them if you like them etc 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 so it's about yeah eventually if you want to have cake that's up to you but uh, what i want you is to get you more healthy and mm. metabolically flexible yeah. so that you can perform better in both uh, all facets of your life, mind, health, uh, well-being, etc. right? Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing you mentioned all those different uh, dietary terms and, and keto and paleo and vegan and everybody, like, as I mentioned in the book, like, they start out with great intentions and work really well when you apply them simply. But you know, when you start saying is this paleo, you know, paleo comfort foods come out and all of a sudden you're mixing dates, honey and almond flour, which is paleo, but it tastes just like a donut. You can chow it down. I'm saying like plant-based is um, such a, a wide open term that means nothing really because, you know, plant-based could be whole food plant-based and those people struggle to, to to gain weight and often get very skinny because there's such little energy in them but you know plant-based is every donut every processed food in the center aisles at the shops that you should avoid at the same time so you've got to you know, nutrient density adequate protein has to be central to your definition of food exactly if you don't enough protein like you cannot get that much protein on plants like if you're yeah. eating whole foods it's basically you're gonna be like a gorilla sitting all day eating tons of food just to get, I would like to love to see someone getting actually, let's say 120 grams of protein a day from just vegetables and they have mm. to be at most boiled mm. without legumes. Like show me an example of the amount of food and I'm sure it's going to cover an entire table and you're going to have to spend basically at least six hours of your day sitting and eating and probably like other two sheeting, <laughs> right? So it's, a, it's a lot of waste of time, right? Yeah, totally. And then if you do, and, and again, if you like to follow your life like that, I have nothing against vegans or, or vegetarians, like a more power to you as long as you do it properly and you're getting the results you want. Perfect. Uh, I see with people that follow a more mix between what you do and, and we do, which is more focused on nutrient density and a little bit of fasting if you like it and you can apply it to your life. Basically, you're free. You spend two hours a day eating and then you spend the rest working, training, being more productive. Again, I'm not saying that one is better than the other. I'm just trying to be objective, showing different approaches, and you can do whatever you want, and of course, what works for you in the end. Yeah, definitely. And the other thing you have to consider with a, a plant-based protein intake is that protein is less bioavailable, and the, the protein density, like the amount of protein per calories is very low, the protein percentage, so you have to eat a, a ton of that protein to actually get the protein you need to actually build muscle. So it's definitely you know, not off limits and is possible maybe with your soy protein powders or whatever, but they come with their challenges as well. But yeah, it's it's definitely harder and you have to be more intelligent. So um, you mentioned fasting, um, Ketogains isn't massive advocates of extended fasting, but I know you sort of practice a, a version of intermittent fasting. What's your experience and uh, what works for you? A lot of people think that uh, we are anti-fasting, and again, it's a little bit of a lost in translation. <laughs> like, uh -huh. hell, I, I did an experiment 
on doing OMAD for more than one year. I was eating one meal a day. So it, it's not, here's something, just a, an, an explanation. I am not someone that just talks because talking. You've known me for a while and I like to experiment with certain mm -hmm. and see biometrics, how it works and, and what it did for me. And then I don't want people, especially because I'm getting paid to give people results. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be experimenting with clients. Mm -hmm. I want to give you the best results. And what I'll do is th that's one of the reasons why I study a lot. I want to have yeah, the other studies. And then I also want to have a practical application. How do I translate those studies into actionable steps and things that actually get you results so yeah fasting has a lot of benefits but people very much like with ketogenic diets will go to you know far conclusions that are not really either true or mm. uh they're, again they're jumping conclusions as you say in english it's like mm. a and, and b does not equal c that's like that's not how it works even though in paper it sounds like that it, it's not yeah. One of the, for example, the biggest myths is that you can build muscle uh, with fasting. And just because, yeah, you increase human growth hormone, the name is a misnomer. Mm. Uh, what it actually does, the human growth hormone in adults, and uh, when you create this endogenously, meaning that your body produces it, it doesn't mean that you will build muscle. What it's actually mm. doing is shaving lean mass from um, your body. We talked about this before. Your body is fasting and you're training. You're giving a stress and a stimulus. Mm -hmm. Your body needs to repair not only your muscles, and we said muscles are the end of, uh, the, end of the priority. Mm -hmm. You are not giving your body energy and, and food and nutrients. The body, what it will do is it will take some energy from the fat. It will take some glucose from the, the muscles if you have it, or if you don't, it will produce it. And it mm. takes amino acids from your own muscles. Mm. So basically it's like, a, how I like to explain it is, imagine that you have a house and you want to build an extra room. You didn't want to buy cement or, or, or bricks. So you decide to break one room, one wall from your own house to create the next room. So did you actually build something? No, you didn't. You just you're mo just moving the blocks, and in the process of breaking the wall to build the other one, you also lost some bricks that cannot be like you actually ended up worse. Make sense? Mm, mm, mm. Because you didn't buy any any new blocks. The, yeah. the best thing would be to buy new blocks and have them in reserve, and then you can build the, the new wall. And that's actually how muscle building uh, works. It's a muscle build, building is both catabolic and anabolic and the end result is a, a, a pro, uh, is from a process which is muscle building breakdown mm. and then muscle building synthesis mm. so the net result has to be positive for you to actually build muscle and this is why faster training is not optimal and again mm. the, the word the keyword here is optimal it doesn't mean that under certain situations you cannot build muscle if you train faster but if you're already doing something that's even me being a, a, one of the more proponent uh, persons on ketogenic diet for strengthening, mm. yeah, uh, strengthening on keto may not be the optimal way to, to build muscle. Probably eating more carbs is going to be better. Okay, I agree with that. Now, you're doing something that, okay, let's say that it's super, and then you add fasting to it, and then you add 
other things that people do. Okay, you're making something that it's not at 100%, then you're doing it at 80%, you're not eating adequate protein even afterwards because you're afraid of cancer or other things. So then instead of getting 95% of the results, you're getting 70% of the results or 60 or even nothing. And then you wonder why you're training so hard and not getting results. Yeah. You see, you see so many people fasting for days on end and then at that point you're just so hungry you just choose whatever you can and I, I think you know you mentioned OMAD but it seems most people struggle to get adequate protein you talked about okay. 1.2 it's difficult in one meal you need at least two meals a day on a regular basis and as you said balance between enough deprivation and, and fat loss with enough refeeding with nutrient density so you need, definitely need to find that balance so you basically eat two meals a day generally now or? what we propose for most clients is and this is also that supported by studies is to follow the lean gains approach which is 16 hours of fasting mm. plus eight hours of uh, uh feeding in and you can uh, it doesn't matter if it's 17 or if it's 14 like it's just the average so what I normally do myself and I propose to a lot of clients is, okay, you're, let's say you're fasting, break the fast with a, with a keto gains pre-workout, which is basically 25, 30 grams of uh, whey protein. This is important because we want a fast absorbing protein here. This is when you want to spike a little bit your insulin before training. Mm -hmm. And why before and not after? Because a lot of people say, no, the protein should come after. No, because let's remember that protein is going to be digested. Mm -hmm. And it's not immediately. It takes uh, the fastest protein is about is whey protein, and it takes about uh, 10, uh, an hour for each 10 grams. So you take it, uh, uh, let's say, 30 minutes before training, and an average training session lasts between 60 to 120 minutes. By the time that you finish training, the, blood will, the, the protein will be more so available in your bloodstream. And mm -hmm. what we want to do is synchronize the MPS from uh, the protein, the muscle uh, protein synthesis, mm -hmm. with the stimulus from training and the protein. So this is called protein syncing or protein synchronization. So you're, yeah. you're giving, let's say, the bricks to the workers, going back to the house analogy, just on time, just when, it, when you need it, right? And it's ready for the recovery period rather than eating the protein, digesting it, and two hours later exactly. it's trying to recover after you work out three hours ago. That's it. And then, of course, later have a big meal. And again, people say, but I'm having a big meal before or after training. That's great. But that protein will reach your bloodstream probably six to eight hours after. Mm. Makes sense? So yeah. What I want is to have to Yeah. What do you use to track progress in terms of lean muscle mass and... Um, you, you track body fat, weight, waist, and I know you use a, uh, oh, I forgot the name of it, to, to, to track your body fat um, on a regular basis. But what do most people find most useful to track their progress? What do most people find uh, more more usable or? Um, to, to track, you know, to track so, weight. Fat. Um, mostly because we have most of our training uh, trainings online and in different parts of the world. The easiest way that we've seen to get a feasible uh, way of achieving results is with tape measurements and using the Navy fat system, very much measure your hip, waist, uh, neck, of course, your weight and pictures. 
So with that, we can extrapolate and we get a, a solid uh, idea of where the client is heading at. Because if you just use one measure, let's say mm -hmm. weight, weight can be confounding. If you drank a lot of water, if uh, your electrolytes are off, if you are training, like what you weigh on a given day is not the, the it doesn't mean that you are gaining fat or losing fat. Like mm -hmm. if you eat a lot, like basically if I eat half a kilo of uh, meat right now and I weigh myself afterwards, I gain half a kilo. It doesn't mean that mm -hmm. I got fatter. It just means that I have half a kilo of meat in my gut, right? Mm -hmm. And people forget about that or they, you know, they, they think that this, the scale is judging them and things like that. So it's best to have lots of different measurements, have a trained eye, and then you can uh, check with the client and explain, yeah, you're not losing weight like probably you wanted, but your body fat is down by two points and you're actually looking stronger. And mm -hmm. this is something that usually... Uh, it's more prone for women because they think that once they reach a certain weight, they're going to look like they want in their mind's eye. And that's why you have to show them pictures of their progress mm -hmm. and measurements. And it's like, yeah, maybe I'm not already, I'm even gaining weight, but I'm looking phenomenal. And now I fit in that dress, even if I weight more. Yeah. And potentially weight on the bar and strength improvements. Is, is of course, thing. that's super important as well. Like uh, if you are, some people think I'm not gaining muscle. Well, that's something that's more so in the long road. But if you, your first squat was 100 pounds and now you're squatting, squatting 130. Yeah, there are some uh, neurological adaptations, but also that means that you're getting uh, stronger. Yeah. Um, so one of your little catchphrases is, is chase results, not ketones, um, which has uh, triggered a lot of people. But, you know, we've all five years ago started tracking ketones and higher was better and plenty of confusion. And um, the, there's this chart here that, that a lot of people targeted the higher ketones with more fat, et cetera, et cetera. What's, what's your experience and what's your recommendation when it comes to tracking ketones for ketosis or a ketogenic diet so i'm have nothing nothing against people chasing ketones in the sense that context mm. you got into ketosis or, or you are attracted to the diet because your main goal is fat loss then we should understand that your main metric for success should be fat loss not ketones because people come to the diet they forget about their goal and they get you know uh lost in the chasing ketones and some people say yeah but high ketones are better and they are, don't understand that ketones are the byproduct of fat burning not the not what makes you burn fat that's mm. important to understand mm. another thing to understand is that ketosis like the level that you have actually in your bloodstream it varies by various factors when mm. you're new to the diet you don't have the metabolic flexibility. You don't have the, the mitochondrial density. This means that mm. your body doesn't understand or, or doesn't have the, the well, yeah, the, 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 you cannot metabolize or use ketones as efficiently as someone that is more, uh, more a veteran in the diet, mm. right? So I give myself, I eat a lot of fat right now. What happens with a lot of people is they either get diarrhea they need uh, liver enzymes or things like that because they, they don't have, again, uh, mm. they're not prepared to, to be able to. And yeah, they start to produce more ketones because they're burning that fat, but their mm. body cannot use them efficiently. So what happens is they pee them. That's why they show on, on, on the pee sticks at, at the beginning and then they don't show because your body went, let's say, to the first phase of ketone adaptation. Mm. 
then what happens is, yeah, you keep producing ketones, but now your organs and your muscles can start to use them more efficiently. So you produce them and you use them at a more efficient rate. Mm. When you are new to the diet, yeah, you produce them, your body cannot use them very much like when you're insulin resistant. What happens? Mm. You eat a carb, your body cannot use the carbs, and you have increased blood sugar. The yeah. same happens with ketones. Yeah. You're producing a lot of ketones, your body cannot use them efficiently, so you have lots of ketones. Over time, your body adapts to using them, and then you don't have them as high as before. And this is something that you see with people that have done the diet efficiently for, I cannot say how much, how, how long, mm. but I've seen it with people over four years, over three, or in my case, Tyler, Rob Wolf, Mike Sisson, mm. I think as well. Mm. You, you uh, uh, prick yourself on the finger and you consistently show a certain amount of ketones. It mm. doesn't matter, well, in my case, if I fast, if I eat a lot of fat, if I don't eat a lot of fat, I'm consistently in between uh, 0.4 and 0.6, but in between those numbers, depending, no yep. matter what I do, because yep. my body is very well adapted to being a, in a low carb ketogenic state. Yeah, so it becomes not a very useful indicator of whether you're doing the right thing or whether you should eat more or less fat or how you change exactly. your diet. Optimize it. So well, just see people come to the diet, they think that they need the ketones and that more is better. And if they mm. don't show ketones, they are not getting the results. And it becomes, uh, because they don't understand all these neat little nuances, which are very hard to understand. Mm. Mm. They start to either eat more fat, which becomes counterproductive for losing body fat, or even buying uh, exogenous ketones. Again, I have nothing against them. They're very useful for treating uh, certain uh, diseases or uh, like uh, epilepsy or certain cancers or mm -hmm. for performance. And there are a lot of interesting uh, research topics on them. But again, for the topic of fat loss, mm -hmm. things are not really needed. Yeah, yeah. And um, from a personal fat threshold point of view, your body you empty the sponge of all the storage in your body, your fat, your your liver, and it can then hold it in where it's meant to be held and not overflow into your bloodstream. So you don't see elevated ketones, um, free fatty acids or glucose. And if you look at a, like my wife is type 1 diabetic, obviously, and if you, you don't give her insulin, everything just flows into the bloodstream, which is a not a great situation to be. So at the other extreme, once you become more metabolically healthy, more metabolically flexible, and even you tend to see lower blood ketones, and even you look at the Inuit, potentially they've adapted to having less ketones, even though they're on a ketogenic diet, which is interesting. So yeah, sky high optimal ketone levels. Uh, you know, yeah. Something I wish would uh, we could stop talking about and focus on results and, and not chasing the ketones with more fat because that just seems to be a, a massive area of confusion for us. And, uh, and again, I have nothing against people that want to increase ketones. Like I know there's a, 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 there's a, a very interesting area for, for more, that warrants more study because uh, high, having high ketones for certain people does decrease hunger. Mm. And if you take exogenous ketones, a lot of people do, they uh, suggest it suppresses hunger. I, I've seen that, but it doesn't do it always. And what I don't like is that people, especially, again, uh, remember that I actually treat people, I coach people, and it's very easy mm -hmm. to say things, you know, from being a keyboard warrior just by reading studies and not being 
there and getting paid to deliver results and not talking mm -hmm. with clients almost on an everyday basis. Mm -hmm. Understand that someone that has a lot of fat to lose and that has an OCD behavior or being cheating, bulimia, etc. And again, I'm not speaking just through my teeth. I've been there. I know what it feels to be there. Mm -hmm. I have seen people that binge have ketones because they think it will get them uh, uh, faster into ketosis and it ends becoming a self-defeating circle. You've seen it as well. They think that they're not in ketosis because they are ingesting ketones. No, you put, you're in a state of false ketosis. You are just ingesting ketones. You're not producing them. It's different. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. uh, it's the endogenous ketosis of where is that fat coming from? Is it from your body or from your yeah. diet? And then, uh, because people are so anxious, uh, I would talk with this uh, with tire as well. When you have this type of personality, does you're just never going to be satisfied? It doesn't matter if you drink one liter of uh, exogenous ketones. You're like even if your hunger is maybe suppressed, it's not eliminated. Mm. Right. So I, again, I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not against that because you've seen the discussions we've had with uh, people that are you know, always going into that end that, yeah, ketosis isn't a goal because this and that and that. Very much like you've seen studies that say that ketosis has no metabolic advantage over other diets because people lose the same uh, amount of fat and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's on a study. In mm. free living conditions, and I think that you'll probably agree, mm. in a whole food diet, mm. probably for a certain subset of people, is more sustainable versus doing another diet mm. because yeah it takes hunger away it gives them fuller it adds more nutrient uh, density to their diet mm. etc et so they're doing better choices mm. right again in in a paper one thing is what a paper says another thing is a practical approach and in free living conditions what actually happens yeah yeah, we definitely see when people focus on nutrient density, adequate protein, everything else just falls into place. And then, oh, I finally get it. If I just, you know, focus on food quality, then quantity and, you know, energy levels and everything just falls into place. And exactly. And, and a higher percentage of protein, it, it just, the appetite falls off a cliff and, and they get a endogenous ketosis as they burn their body fat. Totally. And we've seen it with what, eight years that we've been running uh, groups, what happens again with clients, both paying clients and people doing uh, following the protocol on their own? You see a lot of uh, Facebook groups that say certain things and you see the same um, pitfalls and you see people stay staying stuck there for years. And then you see people when they change certain things, that's when they start to get, to get real results. Mm. And I'm not saying it's particular to, to keto things that I've seen it in a lot of groups that focus again more on nutrient density. It can be, mm. again, it can be paleo, it can be, but it, that, that's a common factor, eating mm. real food mm. and not focusing on eating comfort food. Yeah, definitely. So in the in keto games, what are the things that most people have to most often unlearn that they've beliefs and I know dietary belief is really strong it's like a religious you belong to a crowd and then you come and go okay these people are getting amazing results in keto games what do they have to unlearn to actually make progress what are the maybe the top three things 
So I'd say very much uh, that the graphic you showed uh, at the beginning, which is, I'd like to say like protein is the goal, focus on protein and especially whole food protein, not on fat. Mm. Carbs, yes, they are a limit. Here we have 30 grams, but uh, it boils down to your metabolic flexibility. Some people stay like if you're a small frame person, person that it's overweight, okay, let's start you on the lower end, but let's make those carbs not for fat bombs and things like that. Because mm. I see a lot of people gaming the system. They say, I have 50 grams of carbs or 40 or 30. I'm going to have low carb ice cream. Mm. Right? No, no. Use those those carbs for nutrient dense foods: green beans, a, a, a zucchini, chayote, uh, whatever that's going to give you more bang for your nutrition buck. Right? Thirty grams of carbs from spinach or broccoli is a massive amount of food. Totally involved with that, and then even uh, some uh, a liver and things like that that are super like nutrition bombs. Right? Like if I'm gonna have one day that I'm gonna eat uh, like 100 or 80 grams of carbs, I'd rather eat like a liver that's uh, super nutrient dense and yeah, is higher in carbs, but it's different, right? It's not, I'm not, and I'm not, I, I never try to be a silot, but again, it's uh, like coming from a business and marketing background. Mm. I've probably heard uh, this saying as well, is uh, macros are like money, mm. right? Use your macro and micronutrient uh, targets to get the best profile or your best investment regarding yeah. health. And it yeah. doesn't mean that you can cannot have a vacation. Mm. Like you're going to a vacation, you save and you spend, I don't know, $2,000 on a vacation and you can drink and whatever. But mm. when you get back, you have to pay that budget. You have to pay your credit card. The same happens with nutrition. You want to have, like you've been saving and you want to have that cake, yeah. have it, then yeah. come back and continue on what as if nothing happened mm. because you saved for it, right? Yeah. But don't spend those macros in, again, in a donut just because you have 30 grams of carbs a day. No, okay. spending on things that are actually going, uh, investing in your health. That's what it boils down to. Yeah, yeah. nutrient density is very much a cost benefit analysis of how many nutrients yeah. you need per calorie. And, you know, if you're trying to lose the weight, then you need to fit those same nutrients in less calories. You've seen, uh, uh, this is something that uh, that's very interesting. Uh, and I'd like to take you on a, on the challenge to finding this uh, and yeah. maybe in a, a, a conjointed uh, blog post on this. Yeah, sure, man. Uh, there's this myth about eating less than 1,200 calories. Yep. Okay. So I've done some research on where this comes from because there's not a clinical. Uh, it, it's very much like breakfast is the most important part of a uh, meal of the day. That everybody, even doctors, say it, and we know that this is a slogan from General Mills. It's not something mm -hmm. actually or created by science. So the mm. 1200 calories mean, um, people always say first, uh, the first thing that I see about it is that you eat below that, you're going to wreck your metabolism. Mm. But it does give context. 1200 calories is not like the low bracket. What happens if you're a five foot midget? Mm. Mm. Calories? Yeah. Or what happens if you are six foot? Do you need 1200 calories? Of course not. Someone that is six foot maybe needs 2,000 calories, where it has the, the um, let's hope, the average height in Mexico for a small frame woman is maybe four feet nine. So what happens if I stick to that dogma and give a client 1,200 calories? They don't lose weight. Mm. 
because that's actually their maintenance calories. Yeah, yeah and yeah. I find that actually gain because we're talking about yeah I don't want I'm not discriminated but there are very small frame women over 60 they don't mm. need calor that many calories because they're very small yeah Next yeah time. we definitely see some people on the lower end who are smaller and less active or older and, and thriving on if they get adequate nutrients and, and protein in that thousand calories a day that they're thriving and losing weight and exactly and the metabolic rate doesn't slow but if you're doing extended fasting and refeeding on fat bombs and not active and not building muscle then uh, the metabolic rate just slows and they're not losing fat anymore and they're going I'm, I'm eating this minuscule amount of energy and i'm not losing weight because you know you potentially met, met, metabolism has slowed but that's because you're not active you're not eating the protein to stimulate your muscle and grow the muscle and feel energized because you've got your mitochondria fired up with all the nutrients it needs to, to thrive it has more to do with a safe mode a mechanism that our body has which is called non-exercise non activity mm. genesis that mm. because you're not getting a lot of calories your body this uh, is wise and it says Probably in the environment, there's food scarcity. We're in winter, so let's save mm. energy by becoming less active. Mm. So it's actually a process that our body has, but doesn't really mean that you are uh, metabolically damaged because it, the, the inverse happens when you binge, for example. You, you spontaneously get more energy. It's something that people mm. don't use, but it boils down to some people even having ticks or you know tapping your feet on the, uh, on the ground, uh, mm. quick things like that. But again, uh, going back to the 1200 uh, yeah. idea on for a blog, yeah. the, uh, the, the, more, the, the more investigated and as far as I've gone through this rabbit hole is because there were some certain recommendations and I had to dig the paper on what would be the lowest amount of calories for an American woman to get using the standard American diet mm. to reach the RDAs. So that would be the 1200 calories. And so it doesn't yeah. have to do anything with your body going into starvation mode or so. It's more so so that you get eating McDonald's and yeah. Wendy's and things like that at least the minimal amount of certain nutrients. So yeah. if you eat 500 calories, of course, I'm not advocating people eat 500 calories, but if you eat 500 calories from super nutrient dense food, which can be done, yeah. You, 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 we've seen it with your nutrient optimizer. You totally. can eat and get a hundred or two hundred percent from most key nutrients. Yeah. And again, yeah. I'm not saying that this is sustainable or suggested, but you will not get a deficiency. And and this is basically what uh, some doctors do. And this is uh, when they are preparing a client for a certain medical interventions, mm. most bariatric surgery. Mm. They. They take care of the patient so that it doesn't have any uh, nutrient deficiency. They feed them at least the minimum amount of protein via mm. uh, in powders and so on and so forth. And the client is perfect in the sense mm. of uh, how they're uh, no nutrient deficiency. Yeah, they're not comfortable because nobody wants to not eat anything. Mm. It's again, they're not metabolically wrecked. And it doesn't mean that they're not losing body fat. They are losing mm. a lot of body fat. Mm. Because they're forcing their body to burn what they have left. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely see that as people like if you're eating 500 calories of donuts or fat bombs, you're going to be absolutely starving, and your metabolism seems to be 
anecdotally at least slowing down and, and and you're not losing weight and you're feeling lethargic and cold but those people who are getting adequate amino acids and nutrient nutrients in that lower calorie intake just just thrive exactly they feel energized and they're burning the weight and they says the food's good here it's not a famine i'm just gonna offload all that excess body fat that i didn't need and again i'm not uh, advocating on eating super low calories i'm saying mm -hmm. depending on the context if you have 30 percent 40 percent body fat you can do this especially if you're getting you know medically supervised or coaching mm -hmm coached by someone or even by yourself if you know how to do it for a while then you resume to eating back but also another important thing that i want people to understand is most of us think that we need more calories than what we really need again this is a myth like extrapolated that yes maybe some people need 2000 calories mm. but myself again mm. i'm five foot six i myself and here in between 17 to 1800 a day because i'm small i mm. may have bigger muscle than someone else but i'm a small framed uh, person that's what it is if i ate 3000 calories i'm sure i would get fat yeah that's it. definitely definitely so um it's been over an hour what have you got coming up you've got lmnt with rob and uh keto games just continues to go from strength to strength you've got at Go Health, what, what, what's on the horizon? Heaps of things, but what's of it? Yeah, so basically, uh, well, we launched last year at Go Health, which is the right hand of keto games, more so a medical practice. I was telling you before, we mm. found that a lot of clients actually do need the, the help uh, with hormones and uh, things like that. Once you have your diet dialed in, uh, you're uh, doing training, you're doing everything perfect, but you need that extra push. Uh, it always... Uh, pays down to review that with a with a doctor and mm. so we partnered with dr guillermo ruiz who is an excellent uh, doctor in this area and it just became a natural process so we opened a medical practice branch for keto games to help our clients work uh, get better results okay. uh that's one thing then of course we have uh we drop of the partnership with element and electrolytes mm. uh, and we are developing an app, uh, a general fitness nutrition training app for other, um, for the general audience, but mostly we're concentrating on this as we speak. Yeah, which just, Kid Games just keeps growing from strength to strength, which is oh, yeah. great. And yeah, well, thank you for your friendship and your time. And uh, this has been a whole lot of fun and hopefully help clarify a few things for a few people. And uh, yeah, thanks for everything you do. And oh, thank you. Thank you. Night. And I just like to, to say to people that uh, I've also learned a lot from, from how you break up things and make them more understandable for everyone. Because uh, sometimes, uh, you know, like I was saying, it's very, very complicated topics. It's very easy to get uh, confused, right? And, you know, explain them. I like to say, if my mother can understand what I'm saying and then apply that, it means that I'm doing the right thing. Because we say things and we speak on certain terms that are not really understandable for a lot of people. And you mm. do a great job on dissecting all those little nuances and getting the job done. So awesome, Murray. Thank you. Thank you. Um, have a great night. Thanks, for everyone, for tuning in. And we'll um, share it on YouTube as well. And, uh, yeah, cheers. Thanks, Lewis. Perfect. See you, Marty.